0: We're um, going to look at discernment uh, the next four sessions, uh, trying to discern the the truth of God's word and what it speaks to us, how it how it leads us, how it guides us in four very um, essential areas of the Christian life. Um, tonight we'll look at discerning god's will and we'll ask the question what is god's will for my life how do i determine that tomorrow morning we'll look at genuine conversion and ask how do i know if i'm truly saved or how can i tell if someone is truly saved tomorrow night we'll look at good theology and ask the question how do i know truth from error how do i know what's right how do i know what is true? And we'll finish on Sunday morning with Faithful Witness, looking at the culture around us and understanding and uh, having a pretty good idea of where we're headed. How do we remain faithful witnesses in a culture that hates us, in a culture that is um, very quickly becoming vehemently opposed to all that we believe, if um, it hadn't already, at least now it's becoming uh, very open um, about it. So tonight we'll look at God's will and ask, how do we know what God's will is? We'll jump around uh, a lot throughout the scriptures tonight. It'll be the most that we kind of flip in our in our Bibles, but I pray that it will be helpful. So as we begin, what are some of the decisions that God you have to make or think about? What are some of the decisions that you would love to just sit down with the Lord and just say, here's what we're trying to figure out. Will you just tell me what I'm supposed to do? Here are my options. Here are my choices. Now, what should I do? What should I choose? And we have those throughout life. We have them when we're uh, the age that my little girls are. Whether we choose to listen to mommy and daddy when we tell us tell it when they tell us what to eat, what not to eat, what to touch and what not to touch, what do I choose? It's pretty clear. Then we grow up and the decisions become bigger. Where do I go to college? Where um, do I choose to work? Who do I choose as a spouse? Where do I choose to live? When should we retire? What should retirement look like? We love answers. We love to just flip to a passage in the scripture and read, Thou shalt move to New Jersey and become a part of Grace voucher. <laughs> but the Lord just doesn't, doesn't do that. Oftentimes we will look at the, the Lord's will and think it's just a, a series of random events. And that's what confirms the Lord's will. I was walking out. One day, and I looked up, and it was just the the cloud was in the shape of the state of New York. And I knew I just needed to move to New York. Or sometimes we think of it as a dot-to-dot, right? Here We think we need to make exact choices that connect... And if we mess up along the way, the whole picture of our life is going to be messed up. Nobody's going to know that was supposed to be a dog. Or, maybe worse, we just don't care what the Lord's will is. And we fly by the seat of our pants, and we just make decisions along the way that we feel our best and have no concern about what the Lord's will really is. Well, the the truth that God's word gives to us is that God has made you. He is your creator, foundational, very clear, simple. But he also has a purpose for your life. And he has revealed that in his word. You see we think we we come to these decisions that we need to make and we we think that God's will for our life is somehow hidden that we need to uncover that it's a scavenger hunt. But the reality is God has clearly revealed his will for our lives in his word. And what we're going to look at tonight are six principles for living out God's will so that we'll stop looking for what He's clearly revealed. Six principles for living out God's will, so that we'll stop looking for what He has already clearly revealed. But, just by way of context, before we get started, I just want to read to you Psalm 33, 10 and 11. You don't have to turn there, just listen. And then we'll we'll jump into our... Points for tonight. It says the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, he frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. And just listen to Isaiah forty six. Isaiah forty six verse eight. Now therefore hear this, you are sorry. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. For I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Now, there's a sense in which... Do your very best, and you still cannot live outside of God's ultimate will. You can't do it. He's already declared it, the end from the beginning. But, there's also a sense in which you can live in line with His revealed will. So there's a decreed will that God has established from before the foundation of the world... And what we're going to look at more tonight is his revealed will. How has he shown, how has he taught, how has he revealed his people to live in accord with his character, with his goodness, with the truth of his word. And that is very clear as we'll see tonight. So let's jump in. There's six principles for living out God's will so that we stop looking for what has already clearly been Revealed. Number one, and turn your Bibles to Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. Because the first principle is that God's will is very clear for you. Surrender ownership of your life. Second Peter chapter three, have a look at verse nine. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Here it is. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And here's what we need to understand. Before we ask God anything about revealing His will to us the foundation of the matter is that we must we must surrender ownership of our life to him it requires faith and obedience in the person and work of his son jesus christ you see nobody has ever in the history of construction walked up on the job site and saw the rafters all together you got the roof right there on um, on, the, on the top, and the roofers laying out all the shingles, hammer, and I'm sure you guys have seen it, but in, in our neighborhood, they can take off a roof and put on a roof in about an afternoon, and they're like, bing, 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 Nobody has ever done this on top of a roof that they're about to do that. Why? Because you never put the roof together before the foundation or the whole rest of the house is constructed, right? But that's exactly what we do when we say, I'm not ready to surrender my life to you. I'm not ready to recognize you as Lord and Savior of my life. But I would like to know your will for my life. That would be nice. No, the foundation comes first. And the foundation is recognizing Oh, Lord, apart from Jesus Christ, I am such a sinner. There's no hope for me before you because I recognize your holiness does not allow sinful man to just get away scot-free. But praise God that your purposes in sending Jesus Christ were accomplished at the cross. As he hangs there taking the full punishment of sin... And by faith, offering all who come to him in repentant faith, the perfect righteousness that he earned through his life. And now declaring, I'm coming back. And so, have hope. And in the meantime, tell others the hope of the gospel. And God has clearly revealed to us that what comes first is surrendering ownership of your life. To Christ. So our first principle is get saved. Do you want to know the will of God for your life? Number one, it's get saved. Number two, and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Our, our first principle for living out God's will is surrender ownership of your life. And number two, saturate your mind with God's word. Saturate your mind with God's Word. Have a look at Ephesians 5, starting in verse 17. It says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And here's the will of the Lord. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, you're asking yourself, okay, what does it mean... To be filled with the Spirit. Well. We have to distinguish between. These two types of filling. Because in Romans 8 9. It's going to tell us. That every believer. Is indwelt. With the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer. Then you already got this checked off. You're already filled with the Spirit. But that's not what Paul is talking about. Here in Ephesians 5. Now. Look what it says, and I just want to prove this to you real quick. Look what it says in verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now go ahead and turn to Colossians 3 so you heard you guys know go eat popcorn everybody understands that Galatians, Ephesians Philippians, Colossians go eat popcorn when I first saw that I was like whoa yes <laughs> Colossians 3 Colossians three sixteen. now look what he says Because it's going to be the exact same thing that he says in Ephesians 5, that we just read, that he says in Ephesians 3, but there's one slight difference, and that's the key. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the difference. Because back in Ephesians 5, here's what he said. Be filled with the Spirit. And now the exact same result happens in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. And this is the exact same thing from Ephesians 5. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now go ahead and flip back to Ephesians chapter 5. So here's what we understand. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Saturating your mind with the Word of Christ. Allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in you richly. And here's here's what that looks like. It's having a mind that is always and consistently conscious of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that in verse 20. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting one another out of reverence for who? Christ. Your whole life is being pushed along, being motivated, being challenged, being um, directed by a love and a conscious effort to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what that word "be filled" means. In uh, in Jersey, we live on the Jersey Shore, and a lot of sailing going on there. Sometimes you go by, and they're in the uh, uh, marina or marina. Yeah, um, sails are down. Everything's going. the The wind could be blowing, or it could be calm. They're not going anywhere. Other times you look out on the bay and it's a nice windy day and there's that sailboat and the sails are up. The wind is blowing and it's full of wind and the boat is moving quickly in the direction that the wind is blowing. That's the idea of being filled with the spirit that you are saturating your mind with the word of Christ and that is filling the sails of your life and pushing you forward in obedience to Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. You're going to the Word, the Spirit-inspired, the God-breathed Word of God. You're filling your mind with it, and that is filling the sails of your life and pushing you forward in obedience. That is the clear will of God for your life. Surrender ownership of your life to Jesus Christ. Saturate your mind with His Word. And thirdly, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I warned you at the beginning, we're going to be flipping. Your thumbs are going to be sore in the morning, but I trust that you can get those all stretched out and we'll be alright. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Surrender ownership of your life to Christ. Saturate your mind with God's word. And number three, set yourself apart from Unto God. Set yourself apart unto God. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. For this is the will of God. What is it? Your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of the in all these things, as he told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And that's what that word sanctify means. It's set apart unto. God's will is for you to set your life apart. Into line with his character revealed in his word. And he goes down this whole list and he says, um, Purity. Purity is God's will for your life. Purity with your eyes, in what you see as you're going about your day. Purity in what you watch. On this guy. Today is so easy. Right, it's so easy um, to have privacy to discreetly look at whatever we like. We cannot ask God's will for our life if we have not already understood this is the very clear will of God that my sanctification in purity. What am I looking at? You see that in verse four. It's self-control. Self-control. In how you dress. Self-control in your appetite. Okay, hold up. Some of you looked directly at my stomach when I said that. Okay? <laughs> I'm working on it. Alright? We're going to get to it. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Verse 4. Uh, sexuality. Self-control. He says in verse 5 again. Uh, your lustful passions. Allowing those passionate feelings... In your life, to just run rampant in your life and, and cause destruction in all sorts of various areas. He says, no, no, no. Get control over those. Of course, it's natural for them to be pent up and to want to come out and to want to have full vent. We saying, no. The will of the Lord for you is to keep those under wraps. Verse 6, honesty. Dealing honestly with your brothers? With your sisters? With strangers? And verse 7, getting sin under control and living in line with God's character. You see that whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. Who gives His Holy Spirit to You. Verse 8. Because He's not called us for impurity, but in holiness. He says, look, I've revealed my character to you in here, and so saturate your mind with it, and then go ahead and live in line with it. Because why? Because you've surrendered ownership of your life to Christ, because you've saturated your mind with His Word, and you've allowed that to propel you forward in life. And now... You're praying that as you do that, you're regularly and progressively set apart unto God to live in line with His character. And number five, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Starting in verse 13. We want to surrender our ownership of our life. That's clearly revealed as God's will. Saturate our mind with His Word. Set ourselves apart to God. And number four, sorry. Submit to authority. Submit to authority. Look at it in verse two or chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil to praise those who do good for this is what the will of god God. he said i thought that was hidden i've been looking for it all over the place i've been praying about it i've been asking god to reveal it to me and he says well here it is for this is the will of god that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Just listen uh, to what James chapter 4 verse 7 says. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And this is the prerequisite to all other faithful submission. Peter very clearly says, Do you want to know the will of God for your life? The will of God for your life is to submit to those authorities that I've placed in your life. James 4.7 says, Number one authority? God. God is the foundational authority. That's the one that you need to submit to um, preeminently. And then underneath those, Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, is going to tell us, submit to those who have been given authority over you in the church. Submit to your pastors as they care for your soul, as they love you, as they long for you to walk in line um, with Christ and experience the joys and the blessings of walking in obedience to the Lord. And then Peter just lays out what it looks like to faithfully submit to the authorities that god has put in your life and the first one he says is government be subject to the lord's sake every human institution and you do that faithfully so long as they are upholding the authority that god has given them you don't do it blindly right because government like any other human institution can err they can make mistakes they can make you do things that aren't in line with what God has um, delegated to them. But he says so long as they are doing what God has called them to do, you submit to them. That's federal, state, local governments. And then as we pick it up in 18, he says submit at your job, both to good and to bad bosses. Read it. Verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When Why would you do this? Why would you possibly submit to bad bosses? That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fun. It's not fun, but it is right. Why? This is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is he... When, what credit is it? If when you sin, you are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And as you are faithful to Christ, as you are faithful to what he has revealed about himself in his word, you will find this more and more prevalent at work. Unless you're Andy, Lord willing. Then hopefully you won't find this type of opposition at work. But if you work for someone who's not a Christian, then odds are the more you live like Christ, the more they'll hate you for it. And what Peter says is you have joined yourself to Christ in that. and In the same way that Christ suffered for righteousness, you get to be united with your Savior and suffer right along with Him for His name's sake. And he says that is a gracious thing that God has given to you because in the other scripture it says you're storing up for yourself eternal rewards. And you will one day enjoy those and you will throw those down at the feet of Christ and say oh, look at what you allowed me to accumulate and then I get to just give right back to you as my Lord and Savior. What a joy that will be on that day. So submit to the good and bad bosses and also submit at home. You see that in chapter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. And so you say, Why would I, as a wife, be subject to my husband, one, because that is the will of God for you? You say, My husband's not even a Christian. Not sure, maybe all of you would not say that. Um, but. If that's the objection, he says, so that you might win your husband to Christ. How would I do that? He says, well, don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry and clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Very precious. And Ephesians uh, 6 is going to tell the children that you go ahead and you submit to mom and dad. So you say, what is the will of God for my life? Submit to the authorities that he has put in your life. And so a simple question by way of application is, how are you doing there? We all have questions. We all have decisions to make. And we all would love to know the will of God in those decisions. Well, this is a very clear one that he has laid out for us. And so the question is, are you submissive to your government? Are you submissive to your boss, the good and the bad? Are you submissive to your husband? Are you submissive to mom and dad? That's where we have to start. So we surrender ownership of our life. We saturate our mind with God's word. We set ourselves apart to God... We observe the authorities He's put in our life and we submit to them. And fifth, just flip over to chapter 4 of 1 Peter. Because what Peter's going to tell us is that if you will do all this, if you will live faithfully with Christ, if you will obey Christ if you will long to worship and honor Him in the daily aspects of your life, whether you're at, out in, uh, at work, whether you're at home, then life is going to be super easy for you. It's going to be a piece of cake. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy the blessings of God in your life, which means you're going to be um, your bank account. You'll be so surprised at how much money is in there, how much people like you, how popular you become. You're going to rise up in the ranks of your job. And you laugh because you know that that's not true. Look at first Peter chapter 4 verse 12. Loved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the Spirit of glory in God rests upon you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... And trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good the promise of scripture you see God has a, a wonderful plan for your life and his plan for your life is to live godly and to suffer because of it and he says when that happens do it well do it well Trust Christ. And trust your soul. And trust your circumstances. And trust the situation to your God that you can trust. That you know does all things well. He's not taken by surprise that you're suffering. He's not... Uh, incapable of doing all that he would want to do in your suffering. And just like Job, never gets the answer. He doesn't understand the situation. But he realizes in the middle of the suffering, he experiences the intimacy of God. And at the end, he says, I'm covering my mouth. I can't ask you anything else. And do you know what the answer was that he got that made him do that? It was simply God laying out his wisdom. It was God laying out all that he had done. And he says, Job, I'm not going to tell you why everything is happening. But what I will tell you is that you can trust me in the middle of it. And we have that greatest display of being able to trust our God to completely work out any type of suffering in our lives when we look to the cross. The greatest suffering, the greatest injustice that happens was at the exact same time, the greatest glory, the greatest good that mankind has ever witnessed or could experience. And so if God could bring such good out of that horrible situation to us that seems like such injustice then what the Scripture calls us to do is entrust ourselves to that same God when we're going through suffering or trials or pain that we can't explain or we don't like. And so this is the clear will of God for your life. The clear will of God for your life is to surrender ownership of your life to Jesus Christ because you need Him for forgiveness. Saturate your mind with His Word and allow that to propel you in obedience. Set yourself apart unto God. Live in line with His character. Submit to those authorities, trusting Him that He has put in your life. And then, understanding that all of that is going to bring suffering into your life, is going to bring trial into your life. Suffer well. Suffer well. And if those five things are in place, if you can look back in your life and you observe in those areas, Lord, I'm doing that. I've, I've surrendered my life to you. I have... Um, what, did, what does he say in um, uh, Mark chapter 8? Deny yourself. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You say, Lord, I've done that. Saturate your mind with my word. I'm doing that. I love to do that. Set yourself apart to me. I'm I'm trying. I'm repenting. I'm walking in faith. Be submissive into those, those places that I put authority. I'm doing that. I'm doing it the best that I can. Suffer well. I am. I'm trying to be bold with my faith and I'm getting pushed back for it. I'm trying to live holy life and people don't like it. Keep on doing that and trust yourself to me. What does he say? Turn to Psalm 37.4. If you can look at those five things, you say, to the best of my ability, with my integrity, I can say, Lord, I'm, I'm doing these things. This characterizes my life. Not perfectly. Obviously not perfectly. I'm, I'm not trusting in my own righteousness. I'm trusting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For my salvation. But I love Christ. And I want these things to be true of me. And he says if they are. In other words. If you're delighting yourself. In the Lord. Chapter 37 of Psalms, Psalm 37 verse 4. If you can look at your life and say. I am delighting myself in you Lord. What does it say? He will give you the desires of your heart. Look at those things. You say, those are true of me. Then God says, go ahead and do whatever you like. Number six. Do what you want. Do what you want. Because he says, if this is true of you, then what you want is going to have been put there by me. When your main priority is the glory of Christ... God says, do what you want and trust me to direct your way. Now, if this is not you, then you need not look any further for the will of God for your life. It's very clearly laid out. Wherever you are lacking, wherever you are falling short, Lord, please give me the grace. I want to do your will and I'm going to pursue your will in what you have clearly revealed. But if you can say this is, this is me. This is true of me. Go do what you like and watch how the Lord directs your way. You say, well, what I would like to do is go to college, be uh, pre-med, graduate college, become a doctor, and work with patients for the rest of my life and enjoying a great career. That was essentially my wife <laughs> until we got to the senior year of college. I told her I was going to be a math teacher, had my credential, did student teaching, and about a month, no, about three months, no, three months, uh, maybe a month, okay. so. <laughs> Three months before graduation, I proposed, so had her hooked, and then a month be- and then a month before graduation, the Lord called me to be a pastor, <laughs> and this dairy farmer from northern New York said um, i don 't have a gray dress, I can 't play the piano, and i can 't lead a women 's ministry, so i can 't be a pastor 's wife.' But she prayed about it. And as she did seek the Lord. And as she um, longed to glorify Christ in her life. He changed her uh, direction. He moved to LA. Went to seminary. He continued to work in her heart. She followed or shadowed a doctor. And was like, I don't want that. I want to be a mom. I want to have a family. Um, That's what I would, would love to do. And now we have... Five beautiful kids were with you tonight and all of that to say you may have a perfect plan in line and it may be fine direct like would if that all worked out it would glorify the Lord perfectly and it would be great for you. But typically what's going to happen is you're just going to pursue the desires of your heart that God has put there because you long for the glory of Christ and then he's just going to direct you here. He's going to direct you here and here. You're going to be like one of those um, mirror mazes on the boardwalk. You're going to walk through, you're going to push. okay, that's not one that, oh, I can go through this one. And that's what life is going to be like. And it's just going to be a wonderful adventure of the Lord directing your path. And it will be, it will be fantastic and you'll love it. So give your life to Christ. Allow the Spirit to control you through His Word. Prioritize your purity. Humble yourself before the authority God's put in your life. Willingly suffer for Christ and then do what you want. Now some of you may be flipping that over. Some of you may be just doing what you want and then trying to figure it out afterwards. And God has clearly revealed his will to you tonight. You just got to flip that back. And then once you get that flip back in the right direction, he's going to give you good desires that he wants you to passionately pursue. So just look at your life. Where is the Lord leading you tonight? To say, Lord, I've been looking for your will, and now you've revealed it. This is the spot that I need that I need help in. This is the spot that I need your grace to walk in line with how you've revealed yourself to be. Here's where I want to honor you. Would you bow your head with me? Would you just uh, take uh, a minute and ask the Lord to reveal to you where in his explicit revealed will he would want to, to sanctify you. Ask the Spirit just to reveal in your own heart. Lord, am I not being humble in the authorities that you've put in my life? Is there an area of purity in your life where... Um, the Lord wants to sanctify you. Are you struggling to make time daily in the Word so that He can direct your path through the truth of the Scriptures? Are you not suffering because you're not bold for Christ? You're, you're hiding the treasure that He's given you, hiding the light that you ought to be under a basket. Or have you just done what you wanted and had no regard for His will for your life. Ask the Lord to reveal that to you. And then ask for forgiveness. And then the grace to walk in obedience to Him. Lord, your will is not hidden to us. You have revealed it clearly in your word. And when we look to your word and see your expressly revealed will, it can be convicting. It can be... uh, There can be a a sense of shame and, and guilt for where we've fallen short. Lord, help us to see that shame and guilt as a grace from you to cause us to fly to Christ to fly to Christ for forgiveness, to fly to Christ for the grace of obedience, to fly to him trusting in his righteousness not our own. And then to let it let it go. Let the shame and the guilt go, knowing that it's done its job. Lord, sanctify us, grow us in this area. Help us to walk in the will that you have revealed and then enjoy the way that you have directed our life. May it all be for your glory. Use us, Lord, as instruments as we seek to honor and glorify Christ. Use us as instruments to glorify yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.